2: On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Utah Jazz are now without a head coach and they could soon be without one or both of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert if reports about their disgruntlement is to be believed. And so on today's show, Vivek Jacob and I are going to talk about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell as Raptors trade targets. Is it worth spending a ton of stuff to go and get those guys into Toronto? How do you separate those players from the Utah Jazz of it all? We'll get into that on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for being here.
3: Oh, like cuz when I shot I expected to make it. So like I do not shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1190? I think it's been a while since we did an episode of Locked On Raptors. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of raptorshq.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. Plus, you can go and support the podcast on your favorite podcast apps by subscribing, following, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. And on YouTube, we're drawing close to 2,100 subs over there, so please go jump on board. I appreciate everyone who already has and will be forever indebted to anyone who does in the future as well over at YouTube uh, Lockdown Raptors. Just search it up. It's uh, very easy to find because I prioritize SEO when I am putting the show up. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at PrizePix. Check out PrizePicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Daily PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy all right on today's show i am back from four days in the wilds of edmonton alberta sorry for the no episodes friday and monday but i only had one bag to bring and i could not bring all of my podcast gear with me so we took a little uh, hiatus for a couple days there but we're back and much like the first episode of the week usually is on a monday it's tuesday today and our pal big v vivek Jacob from raptors.com is here and we are going to talk about rudy gobert and donovan mitchell and whether or not the raptors should go and try to trade for those dudes it's a very interesting conundrum if you're the toronto raptors big v how the hell are you man
3: i'm good i'm good i missed you yesterday sean obviously you were <laughs> up to many adventures and i'm glad uh, you got some time to enjoy yourself um mm-hmm. i'm glad we had you know better weather over the weekend than we did today Um. (laughs) i so in uh, in edmonton
2: over the weekend it was like cold and dreary and rainy which apparently it never is at this time of year in edmonton they get like 300 days of sun a year and we got four days of cloud and rain Mm -hmm. uh which was kind of wild and i came back to a torrential downpour this morning which was awesome uh
3: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
0: the weather friday friday it said it was
3: supposed to rain like a a lot but then i think Mm -hmm. it, it was just like for an hour between four and five. And then after that, it was a good day. And then Saturday was good. And, you know, caught the Scarborough shooting stars and J. Cole and Drake and Scotty Barnes. And it was a good time.
2: Yeah, I uh, I am as much as I enjoyed my trip out to the, the beautiful metropolis metropo- that is Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, which I basically just hung out at my friend's house with their baby and didn't really see the sights because there's not that many sights to see. Apologies to everyone for Edmonton, you know the deal. Uh, but yeah, I was jealous that you were at that shooting stars game on Saturday, it seemed like a lot of fun with my hometown Hamilton Honey Badgers taking them on and beating them in Scarborough. Go watch all of the games on the CEBL, by the way. I have four games that I'm calling over the next week, so you want to tune in there. Uh, with that, let's get to it. The rain talk, the dreary weather, the, the cloudy gloominess, not only the weather in southern Ontario and in northern Alberta, but also the feeling, I would argue, around the Utah Jazz. Quinn Snyder, no longer the head coach out there, Donovan Mitchell reportedly upset and unnerved and uneasy and other unwords probably uh, for reports with the Utah Jazz in their direction. Rudy Gobert, we know, has kind of been on the trade block the whole time because... You would think that if you're picking between the two, you probably pick Mitchell because he's A, younger, B, a better scorer and sort of offensive initiator type. Although we can get into who we think is the better player between the two on today's show. But either way, the Jazz seem like they're ripe for a teardown. And so in the tradition of the offseason, we're going to talk about whether the Raptors should trade for a guy because that's what you do when it's the middle of June and the Raptors have been out of the postseason for over a month. So, Big V. Let's dive in here and talk a little about just the sort of theory and philosophy behind trading for either one of Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. I have kind of been of the mind that if the Raptors are going to go and make a big move and cash in some of their chips and move some of their young players on favorable contracts, it's got to be for a deal that, like, truly moves the needle, that truly, like, cements the team as unquestionably this is a championship contender, you're getting better player in than any of the players you're sending out, and I don't know where I come down on either of the Jazz guys as to whether or not they would actually do that. I think... Gobert has his obvious defensive value, and I think on this Raptors team and the Raptors system, they would be a monster of a defensive team. The offensive questions comes in, come in, of course, and his, you know, he's been exposed, I guess, a little bit in the postseason. But I think mostly that's been to do with the very porous wing defense that that Jazz team has had in recent years. Donovan Mitchell has been a culprit in that and has not been a very good wing defender. Kind of gave up on the Jazz this year in the middle of the season, middle of the postseason, and stopped trying at all. And of course, is a very dynamic and awesome scorer uh, who I-, I think is the kind of player the Raptors could certainly use in the half court. Where are you on either of these guys? Like, do either of Mitchell or Gobert kind of tickle your fancy as, okay, that's the move to make if you're the Toronto Raptors to bring both of those guys in?
3: No, neither of them tickle my fancy that much. Uh, Podcast
2: over. Bye!
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I think with with Rudy Gobert, I think there just isn't enough – of uh value as an offensive hub uh and so i I wouldn't be interested in someone like him um obviously the defense he would help tremendously uh i think um he's proven himself as a defensive anchor there um there's maybe a little bit of stuff that you can get into playoff wise uh where he's been exposed in certain areas but i think a good chunk of that has to do with what the the utah jazz have had to offer uh, defensively on the perimeter um which the raptors uh, would offer a much better solution um but at his price point uh what it would take to get him uh i would absolutely not be interested um with donovan Met- mitchell he's a very good player uh but not a great player yeah. and um, you know, for me, if you're gonna, you know, hold assets to get that A one superstar, then why would you sacrifice some of those pieces to get someone who's very good and not in that category?
2: I I agree. I think, but I guess that the argument is like we we'll have we've talked about Scotty Barnes over the last year plus. Like, maybe he is that 1A guy in two years' time, right? Like, maybe that's asking too much, but maybe that's kind of right in the wheelhouse of what's going to happen. And if you believe that much in Scotty Barnes then maybe you don't necessarily have to go and find a clear-cut clear number one, okay, that's the dude who's going to be our bellwether, our guy who's going to guide us through the postseason as our lead offensive initiator, because you already got that guy. And then Pascal Siakam is a pretty damn good runner-up as well in in terms of orchestrating the offense. So maybe it's not necessary to go and find that apex top 10 player in the NBA that you go and make that kind of trade for. You know... (laughs) I think this would be a different conversation if we kind of knew a little bit more what Scotty Barnes is going to be. Like if this were a couple of years down the line, then the conversation is a little bit different. I I think, you know, as it stands right now, it's still a lot to expect Scotty Barnes to be a top 10 player, you know, best player in a championship team type guy. That's still a little ways off. There's still some development to happen and all of that. So I don't know if sort of. Putting your faith into a guy like Gobert or Mitchell, who is very clearly not going to be the number one, it's probably a better number two or three option, and sort of a, obviously Gobert. Talking about him as any sort of option is kind of the wrong way to talk about Gobert because he's the the defense. He's the guy who solidifies that end of the floor more so than anything else. So it's tricky, right? Because they're in that sort of in between space where they're still waiting to see if Scotty Barnes becomes the thing that they hope he can be. Do you have a preference between the two? Like, if the Raptors were to say, all right, we got to trade for one of these guys, who would you like the Raptors to sort of put that bet on? Would it be Gobert and the defense? Would it be Mitchell and his very porous defense that probably wouldn't jive so well with Nick Nurse's scheme and just general ethos? But obviously, the offense is so incredible. Where would you sort of fall on the Gobert or Mitchell if it's an either-or thing?
3: Yeah, if it's an either-or thing, I lean towards Donovan Mitchell, I think. Okay when you look at the needs of the Raptors roster, I would lean heavily in favor of some kind of dribble penetration, some kind of shooting.
1: <laughs> sure. <And laughs> I,
3: even with the mid-level, I'm kind of, that's where I stand, right? Like I'm all in on get someone who can a put the ball on the floor. Um, actually, probably a, you know, shoot the ball well from beyond the arc and be put the ball on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, if, if you're going to sacrifice assets, uh, between the two, I would definitely lean towards Donovan Mitchell.
2: Interesting, because I think I disagree. And look, I, I'm not any fan of Rudy Gobert, all right? He's just uh, he's a very difficult guy to like. He does himself no favors. Um, he's easy to rip on and all of that. But I do think in the sort of ease with which we're all able to dunk on Rudy Gobert, it's kind of forgotten how incredibly transcendent he is on defense and how even though the Jazz have had their struggles, more or less they've been like a top three to five defense whenever Gobert has been on the floor for the last like seven years. He's that good. He's that impactful. He's that much of a deterrent. And he's such a great anchor to a defense. And he's done that all without very much in the way of wing defense around him. If you surrounded him with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, and we'll get into who would not be on the roster in order to have him on the team, but like even just Barnes and Siakam with Fred VanVleet at the point of attack, you're looking at a pretty damn good defense. From day one maybe the best defense in the nba like i don't think that's out of the question it's just that smothering both in terms of covering ground to the perimeter and also having that backline rim protector who can mop up any of the messes it almost like would allow nick nurse to tell his guys to go even crazier when they're closing out on threes and stuff like that because they know gobert is there to mop up all the messes that are made by the overaggression aggression So, and I also think like his offensive impact, while he's not like a post-up threat or anything like that, like his role gravity is very real. And that's something the Raptors haven't had a whole lot of either. And so I do think there are some actual impacts that Gobert could bring to both ends of the floor that make him, to me, a bit better fit than Mitchell. Mitchell's great. He's very good. He's a great scorer. I just think his defense is so bad, and, like, I I just kind of get, like, kind of more cursed vibes from Mitchell as a dude and, like, a sort of lead option guy than I do from Gobert, because Gobert's never really been asked to do that. Mitchell, and look, this is all sort of, like, ethereal sort of eye test stuff, and it's not really grounded in the numbers, which suggests that Donovan Mitchell's awesome, but... And it's always difficult to separate the Jazz from everything else because it's just so much such a toxic sort of, uh, you know, wasteland coming out for <laughs> like the 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 smells coming out of that place are just so like uh, obscene. But I just think Gobert would be a really good fit with what the Raptors try to do and kind of building defense first, which I think we've seen in this postseason is a thing you probably want to do if you're any a team. You can get by playing ugly offense if your defense is that good. And I think the defense would be that good if they had Rudy Gobert. So with that... Let's move into the next segment. We're going to talk about Rudy Gobert and what it would take for the Raptors to get him. Is there a deal that would make you comfortable in bringing him in? It's very difficult to accomplish because he makes a lot of scratch for a long time. But we'll get to that in just one second here. Before we do that, however, I should tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who are daily fantasy made easy it is just the way it should be you pick two to five players on prize picks and you just pick an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry it's just you versus the projected numbers so you have your lineup there you say oh well there's the point total for jason tatum in game four three of the finals set at 22 and a half you pick the over under you can make multiple players two to five and then from there it's just you against the projections and you're rooting to beat your projections or forget the right over under that you picked that's all. There's no shadow expert behind with a lineup you're competing against like in other daily fantasy sites. It's just you against the projections the way it should be. You can make your entry in 60 seconds or less. Super easy. They get fast withdrawals as well, and you can use their reward-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. They offer anything you can think of for props, including points scored, rebounds, even steals, and you can do mixed sport entries. So say you want to you know, get in on the action of the Blue Jays hitting every baseball 400 feet the last couple weeks, you can go do that and also have the finals in your prize picks entry as well they have got the nba mlb nfl soccer mma basketball college basketball whatever it might be it's all there for a limited time prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all of our users you get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point but you must use the code nba that's right this is an exclusive offer to locked on fans sign up today use the code nba for 50 dollars for free if a player on your first prize Picks entry scores a single point not many players that you'd be picking for this thing aren't scoring a single point in a game. So go and do it right now. And again, Prize Picks is Daily Fantasy Made Easy. They are only available to our listeners in select states. So apologies to our Canadians,
0: but if you live in the States, check the availability and get on Prize Picks today.
2: Let's continue on here, Big V. Let's talk about Rudy Gobert, shall we? Uh, Who we have a bit of a disagreement on as to who we'd prefer. He's my preferred choice between the two Jazz guys. He is not yours. Um, But maybe there's a deal. There's a price for everything, right, that makes it palatable. Thing with this one is it's really difficult to find a price that's palatable because of how much money Rudy Gobert makes. He makes $38.1 million. He's got four years on his deal to the end of the 2026 season. Uh, left to pay. That's a lot of scratch for a guy who's into his 30s or his 29, will be 30, I believe, next season, and is, of course, like seven foot one. Big guys tend to age a little less gracefully in sort of the historical terms, but hey, who knows? Either way, Rudy Gobert, very good, makes a lot of money. How do you make that happen? Really, there's one of two ways. Pascal siakam for Rudy Gobert pretty much works straight up. I don't know if we need to spend too much time on this that's not happening that would be a very stupid thing for the toronto raptors to do because pascal siakam is obviously a better player than rudy gobert is it so obvious big v to you like that's a that's a non-starter correct
3: yeah i'm pretty done with all the rumors that have involved those two players and so Yeah, yeah very
2: stupid just completely lacking any context we don't need to linger on it too much longer how about that Then we continue on down the list of Raptors salaries, and the thing about the Raptors is they have a lot of guys with very movable and attractive contracts to put into trades, the problem is, is that Rudy Gobert makes so much that it requires like multiples of those guys, which is where you might start to run into some trouble, the easy trade, the one that I've come up with actually, that's sort of a, right, what if this was the deal? is Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Rudy Gobert together coming to the Raptors in exchange for OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., and Kem Birch going back the other way. This is problematic for a couple reasons. One being that that's two of the three knockdown shooters the Raptors have going down to Utah. Uh, And, of course, coming back the other way is Rudy Gobert. And you get that really, really impressive front line of Barnes, Siakam, Gobert. Not a lot of shooting there, but again, you're not giving up any points. You're going to win every game 65-62. And you got Fred VanVleet still on the roster. Is there anything there for you in terms of Nikhil as sort of a sweetener coming back the other way to make it palatable to move on from OG and Gary Trent Jr.? I feel like most people would be all right in the instance of one of those guys having to go out for a big trade like this. But both guys feels difficult to maneuver, especially with the way the roster is set up right now.
3: Yes, uh, I am not in favor, so <laughs> we
2: can <just> scratch that <laughs> off the list. Well, why, like saying, give, why are you giving out up in favor?
3: Yeah, giving up two of the knockdown shooters, uh, giving up to me one of the best uh, perimeter defenders in the league in OG and Anobi. Yeah. Um, I you know I view him as a big part of the core. Uh, if I were to power rank the core pieces, he's mm-hmm. actually third on my list because I've got Scotty one, Pascal two, and OG three ahead of Fred VanVleet. Yep, um, in the core group, so. I would be very hesitant to do that deal for those reasons.
2: Yeah, I, I would too. I, I think the inclusion of both guys is tricky. Like if you could talk me into if you could just in a perfect world swap OG plus a pick or something for Gobert, I think you could talk me into it just because Like, again, I think Gobert, as much as we like to joke about him, is slept on in terms of his overall impact night-to-night in the game. Like You know, we can joke about screen assists and all of that, but, like, he's a legitimately very impactful basketball player. There's just no doubt about that. But... To move on from both of your starting two and three, who are both 38 to 40% three-point shooters on high volume, who, again, in the case of OG, it'd be ironic for the Jazz to get OG, the guy who could probably have fixed their issues of no wing defense around Rudy Gobert in exchange for Rudy Gobert, Um, but that's how it would have to happen in this instance. Yeah, it, it makes it really tough to pallet because of just the amount of money you have to match here. And the Raptors don't have a lot in terms of like medium or smaller salaries they could cobble together. Otherwise, you're getting to like six for one trades, which you can put those into the trade machine all you want and say, hey, that works. No team is ever doing that. That's just not how roster construction works or how roster rules work and waving players and all this stuff. It gets into a whole big mess. So, yeah, that one feels pretty difficult to pull off. Is there... Look, Fred Van Vliet's there, right? 21.2 million bucks Fred makes... Uh, I think I'm in agreement with you that I'd probably have him ranked fourth among the sort of core. Honestly, you could talk me into a year from now Precious even leapfrogging there because Precious rocks and I have a very special affinity for Precious Achua. Not quite there just yet. Um, but is there something there with Fred Van Vliet plus you throw in the Kem Birch salary that gets you to about 27 28 and then... Maybe it's like uh, you throw in the Gary Trent Jr. That seems tough. Do you sign Chris Boucher and throw him in? That doesn't feel legal with the cap. Again, we're kind of spinning our wheels here because it's really difficult to pull off even though there is some fit that might make some sense.
3: Yeah, I think it, m- my question then... I mean, I guess you'd have this question in either deal for either player where yeah. what does the locker room look like? Sure, if, yeah. If, if Fred Van Vliet is in that mix. Um I mean, you know, maybe uh, that doesn't need to be such a big issue, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, Fred Van Vliet, I think it's important to not get too caught up in uh, the post All-Star version.
0: Yeah,
2: he was um, hurt. Like, if you're getting <laughs> caught up in that, uh, just like read facts and then <laughs> don't get caught up in it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I do think there is a conversation to be had in terms of how playoff proof his game is and what his best role is, uh, you know, on a championship team going forward. And so, you know, for me, you you want to see the ball more in Scotty's hands. You want to see the ball more in Pascal's hands. Mm -hmm. Is Fred comfortable going more towards that off ball role, being more of a catch and shoot guy, that type of thing? Is he you know, still looking to scratch that itch of, you know, being all he can be um, and identifying what his true ceiling is individually, um, then, you know, maybe that doesn't fit in with what this team should be doing going forward.
2: Yeah. And I mean, look, I think as much as you shouldn't get caught up in what happened in the back part of the season for Fred, I also don't think you should get caught up. I think there's this sort of impression about Fred that he's like a gunner and that, like, he looks for his own offense too much, like, he was kind of forced to in the early part of the year because they were hurt so much, and Pascal was getting his sea legs, and, like, you know, he missed the first 10 games, and OG missed a ton of time, like, he was asked to do that much for the Raptors offense because no one else really had it in them to lead the Raptors offense until Pascal really hit his groove in December, so, like, I don't really buy the whole, oh, he's a gunner, he shoots too much thing either. Like, he's a really good playmaker. He, I feel like he could easily do the Kyle thing where he just kind of molds to the role the team needs him to, to occupy. And if he averages 15 a game but eight assists, like, that feels like it's totally within Fred's realm of, like, yes, he has, like, the sort of, like, you know, bet-on-yourself mentality, and maybe that sort of bleeds into gunner spirit and all of that stuff, but I, I don't really buy that either. It's It's a tough, like, Fred's season was so good it was so worthy of being an all-star. It was so sort of cut off at the knees by the back part of the season as well. I find it a very difficult season to evaluate in totality, honestly. Like I don't know if we'll ever see that kind of season from Fred again because the circumstances asked him to be a player that he probably shouldn't be asked to be. And the early part of the year and the back part of the season cut off all of his usefulness and all the other ways in which I think he really would have shone had he been healthy and working as a sort of off-ball option around that sort of scotty and pascal two-headed monster that really formed in the back part of the year so um yeah i agree the sort of impression and takes on fred are a little bit befuddling at times but i also don't think you should go and train him for rudy gobert the locker room thing is very interesting because like that's the sort of bargain the gamble you're making with any of these big trades right you're probably moving on from a guy from your core the raptors obviously are not afraid to do this. They did it with Rosen to for Kawhi Leonard in what was a very touchy situation back in 2019. I, I don't know if that would be something the Raptors could withstand again, like it takes a lot. And Fred would be, I think, a big reason why any sort of incoming star would be welcome and the sort of thing would not be, the boat wouldn't be too rocked or anything like that. But it's also like, do you really want to take that gamble and like move on from Fred and and it, it's tough. That said, I think Pascal has kind of, you know, cemented himself a little bit more. It's a different conversation now than it was a year ago, I think, where Fred was very clearly the biggest voice in the locker room. I think Pascal is kind of right up there in terms of 1A, 1B, leaders of the team. And Scotty doesn't seem too far behind. That's a loud man. He's going to be a very vocal leader, I would assume, in his career So maybe the calculus on that changes. But yeah, Fred for Gobert, again, the money is still far off. It would have to be like Fred and Trent for Gobert, which again, a lot of shooting out the window. You'd have to have a plan to fill that in. And that's a difficult thing to fill in with limited resources, which is what the Raptors would have. So as much as Gobert is my preferred option of the two, doesn't seem terribly likely, doesn't seem terribly feasible when it comes to the salary cap. So let's move to Donovan Mitchell, a guy who makes less money than Go Bear, so maybe makes it a little bit easier to pull something off that is palatable both to the vec and me, even though Donovan Mitchell is not my preferred choice of the two Jazz guys. We'll get to that in one sec, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who've got a new flavor in town. It's Caramel Brownie. Don't you love a chewy chocolate brownie? Well, what about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? So, so good. And what if I told you you could get it in bar form with just 17 grams of protein, sorry, with 17 grams of protein and not all of the crap you typically find in something so sweet and delectable, well that's the case with Built Bar and their camel Brownie. Forget about dessert, these are better than dessert, plus the macros are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, just 4 grams of sugar. That's incredible. Replace a regular brownie with built bars. Caramel brownie in a heartbeat. The best part is that they are covered in 100% real chocolate. So it's just like having a delicious candy bar or a late night confection, but instead, it's good for you. With built, tasty is the new healthy. Go to built.com. Get your box of caramel brownie bars now. Go to built.com. That's locked15 is the code to drop in there as well to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: All right, rounding out the Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell trade episode of Locked On Raptors with a look at Donovan Mitchell, who makes, going into next season, $30.3 million a year, four years left on his deal. Not a lot of leverage for him. I don't think he's going to be able to determine his destination necessarily, as Tim McMahon noted on the Low, on the low Post yesterday, talking about this. The priority of the Jazz right now is to keep Donovan Mitchell happy until he says he wants out and then it's not their problem. Uh, so I don't think it would be a thing where he, like, you know, skewers a potential trade because the destination is not to his liking. Doesn't have a ton of leverage if he's going to ask out with four years left on his contract. And so donovan mitchell he's your preferred guy do you have a trade that sort of works in your mind vivek is there something that stands out to you again 30 million bucks so a little bit more in terms of maneuverability here for the raptors cobbling together some salaries uh fred van vliet becomes an interesting one in particular because of the 21.2 million and the sort of like for like positions even though they're not exactly similar in terms of how they play lead guard but you could argue they're both point guards in in, in spirit where are you at on uh, donovan mitchell is there a trade out there that makes some sense for you
3: yeah, I think this one gets interesting because when you look at the pieces, you would say, okay, if you're bringing Donovan Mitchell in and you keep Fred Van Vliet, who is going to the bench? <laughs> yeah. Um, because let's face it, you know, you, you get uh, Gary Trent Jr. off it, um, you, you send Gary Trent Jr. there, then you know, you're just getting Donovan Mitchell in place of that. So mm-hmm. I think um, it's interesting. I I don't again. I don't see the appeal of the deal um, mm-hmm. of something that works. Um, I probably lean towards something that you suggested, where you have Gary and Kem, and maybe you throw in a Malachi Flynn. Um, and and you're trying to make works. it happen
2: with all the picks, I guess.
3: Yeah, because that's not getting it done for Mitchell. I know. That's why I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's jazz, guys, just taking strays all day long. Um, Here's one for you. Mm -hmm. So Gary Trent Jr., I love Gary Trent Jr., but if you're getting Donovan Mitchell in in exchange for Gary Trent Jr., that is a clear win for the Toronto Raptors, especially considering Gary Trent Jr.'s salary situation where he's going to be up probably for a new deal at the end of next season with the player option for the last year of his contract. So you throw Gary Trent in, Ken Burch is the easy salary matching uh, help or whatever. And then, what about Precious Achua? Really good player. I love Precious Achua. There's no doubt he's incredible. He might be an all-defense player one day. But you got to trade stuff to get stuff. And Donovan Mitchell is a very good basketball player, despite, again, the jazz of it all, which is very difficult to separate. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. And maybe, like, the part of the jazz of it all is Donovan Mitchell of it all, right? Like, it's kind of a chicken or egg thing, right? So it's, it's tricky to just kind of nail down what the issues, is, why that stew down there is so rancid. But Precious Achua, Gary Trent Jr., Ken Birch, all the picks you might need to make it work for Donovan Mitchell does work in the trade machine. You'd need, I think, for the Raptors to sort of recalibrate what you're looking to pay guys like uh, Chris Boucher and Thad Young that might make one of those guys a bit of a, an outcast or, or just it limits the amount of money you'd have to throw around, limits your mid-level exception or, or whatever it might be. And so there's some trade-offs to it, but on the face of it, precious Gary Trent Jr., Ken Burch and picks for Donovan Mitchell feels like a pretty good deal for the Raptors. It sets you up with a starting five in theory of you just i guess you stick small and go og pascal scotty across the front with the small backcourt of fred and donovan mitchell the center situation maybe you devote your mid-level exception to you bring back boucher you can work out that big man spot does that at all appeal to you that does feel like a pretty dynamic set of players to have as your five best
0: guys
3: look i think if you're the jazz you would probably feel pretty happy with that if mm-hmm. Mitchell indeed wants out. Mm-hmm. I think if you're the Raptors, I history suggests that basically they don't give up players who are, you know, significantly on the rise. Sure. And they've had a tendency to trade players when they're near or close to, you know, their max potential. Sure. You look at someone like Terrence Ross for Sergio Bacca. You look at someone like Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr. Yep. You look at DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard, sure. right? Um, yeah, of course, you have to include Jakob Pertl to make that happen. But when it's someone like Kawhi Leonard, you do that. Um, <laughs> and so I would be very hesitant to move on from Precious Achua. You have uh, called him the guy that makes Vision 6 9 actually work and complete 100 percent, 100 you're
2: probably abandoning vision six foot nine if you're trading for donovan mitchell like that's just you got to do something different probably
3: <laughs> and so for those reasons i would be against that deal even gary Trent jr you know i look at him as someone who's still got more ways to go uh as a player in this league and so mm-hmm. in terms of the value that he could procure now versus what he could bring to the table maybe two seasons from now uh on his next deal, uh that is something that I weigh uh and look at these deals and say, I'd rather just be patient and yeah. let this let this crew continue to cook.
2: Look, I agree. And as much as we've done a whole episode entertaining ideas for these types of trades, I think my uh, long-stated goal and ideal off season is don't do anything. Use the mid-level exception. Bring back Thad and Boucher. Let this thing marinate and take some time to figure out what it actually is first, right? I use this, you know, analogy on Samson Folk's podcast talking about this. Like, It's like when you are asked to marinate a steak overnight in order for it to have peak flavor in the recipe the next day, but instead you just do it for an hour. Like, yeah, it's still probably going to taste pretty good, but it's not what it could have been. And... I think with this particular set of players and the way they're trying to play, it makes way more sense to be patient and just let it ride, especially with no, like, crazy, like, ticking time bomb going on with the team, right? There's no, like, clock you're up against necessarily other than a couple of contract situations, which the Raptors have shown over the last decade. They can figure that stuff out pretty damn well and re-sign their guys without much issue. So... I don't think there's like a huge need to right now. They're not in the spot they were at the end of 2018 after the second sweep at the hands of the Cavs, where it's just like, we got to do something here because this thing's busted. They're not in the situation the Jazz are in either. The Jazz are at that point the Raptors were in 2017-18, maybe even worse. Like They are completely, it seems, adrift at sea as to what the hell their next step is going to be. And... I don't know if it's all that necessary right now for the Raptors to go dive in. That said, I think I'm lower on Gary Trent Jr. probably as like an upside guy than most of Raptors fans. I I think his defensive limitations are real as much as he got a lot of steals. I think that's a thing that has to be considered. And I also just wonder where the place is for a guy who doesn't get to the rim a ton and is just not who you want creating compared to the other guys you have on the roster who also wants to create a lot, right? Like, it's a difficult sort of thing to figure out. It's, again, why I think he should be the sixth man next season and just let him go nuts. But, um, you know, I, I think on the surface, if you're getting Donovan Mitchell in, in exchange for Gary Trent Jr. as the core piece going out, I think it's worth trying to do. But it's the other stuff that comes into it, right? And I think the, um, you know, it's not just the like the the, the, the player, right? And, and like, what. Mitchell brings to the floor. It's also, as much as his contract is a bit of a benefit because it's four years long, it also removes any sort of flexibility the Raptors have. Like, this is the group they would have going forward without much in terms of maneuverability to improve the team. And I just don't know if they're at the juncture now with Scotty Barnes being 20 years old where they want to paint themselves into that corner either and say, all right, this is our crew. Let's ride with it now when there's still other things to address. So, yeah, as much as it's fun to kick around and, and sort of uh, barroom talk it up, I, I don't think... There's a trade coming from the Raptors. And also, you'd have to think there's going to be bigger bidders out there, right? Like teams that are more desperate, teams more in need of a center for a Gobert or more in need of a lead ball handler like a Mitchell Like, there are other bidding wars that are going to go on. And also, Danny Ainge is the man who doesn't make trades very easily, right? Like, he's running the the, the show down there, calling the shots in Utah. He's not exactly one to be like, yeah, well, just give me your 75 cents on the dollar. Let's go. He's a stingy man. He's (laughs) he's always about to make that trade, but never does. Uh, It's interesting from the other side where he's trying to offload guys potentially. But either way, any closing thoughts here on the Mitchell-Gilbert thing? Like... It's, it's fun to kick around, and I know people think about it all the time over the course of the offseason. And the Raptors, we mentioned as like the one of the sexy you know landing spots for Gobert, which I think, going back to a point I made last week, doesn't really take into account what the Raptors want or how they're building their team or how they've projected themselves to be building their team. Um, like, in things that they've actually said, it's just like, whoa, there's a center. They don't have a center. They need one. Not necessarily true. Either way, any last thoughts here on the Gobert Mitchell of
3: it all? Maintain the assets for SGA. (laughs) That's that's basically what I've been circling around this whole time. I mean, there's there's better players uh, that I would rather give up those assets for. You you, want to talk about SGA? Then, yeah. Anyone outside of uh, Scotty and Pascal is on the table for that.
2: (laughs) I could not agree more. And we will examine that, I'm sure, at some point soon here. They're going to have to start trading dudes because SGA is five years older than all the speculative teens they want to add to their roster this summer. Um, that's, I mean, so that's an interesting one. Ryland Styles is the host of Locked on Thunder, and I rib him all the time because I get in his DMs be like, is Shea coming to Toronto yet? What's going on? Um, but he did tweet recently that if there were a core member of the Thunder to be dealt, it would probably be Shea because is just as older, he makes more money, and he's not on the same timeline as a Giddy or a, you know whoever they get with the second pick. The idea of them taking like a J- Jaden Ivy, Jalen Ivy, I don't know any of the college players, the guard, uh, who's like the fourth ranked prospect right now. There's like, I think, a concept out there where they trade down and then still take him and don't take Chet Holmgren. I, I wonder if there's maybe something that sort of suggests, hey, like they're looking to sort of reorient around a younger team than they already have, which seems like sicko behavior to me. Sam Presti is a menace. Let's get rid of him, please. But I am with you. Keep those chips for SGA because that would be an unbelievable fit. Oh, my God, what a fit that would be. Uh, (laughs) Anything you'd like to promote here before we get out of here, Big V? The
3: usual stuff, man. Raptors.com, CBC Sports, Complex Canada. And you can follow me on Twitter at VivekMJacob.
2: Outstanding. Thanks so much, man. And we will talk to you again very, very soon. And uh, until then, I'll be back on tomorrow's episode. I'm not sure what's going on in tomorrow's episode just yet. We'll see. On Thursday, Katie Heinel's going to pop by. We're going to talk about jerseys, because I think the Raptors are in desperate need of a rebrand to their jerseys. We're going to talk about that and aesthetics and uh, thing, pretty things coming up on Thursday with Katie. We'll have some more trade stuff. Probably a mailbag tomorrow, actually, so we'll get the prompt out for that in good time as well. With that, however, thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked nba as they are covering the nba finals in extreme depth and one of the co-hosts of locked in nba john corrales is traveling around covering the finals themselves on behalf of himself he's covering the finals himself there's the words i'm looking for uh on behalf of locked on celtics which i guess you can also go listen to as john is of course the only noble celtics fan you can go check that out and uh thank you in advance for doing so we'll see you again on wednesday with another episode of locked on raptors bye bye